Big Church Podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Scott, and I'm the host of the Big Church Podcast. And today I have the honor of introducing to you our Big Church Kids Pastor. Welcome to the show, Jody Santora. Hello. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited for people to hear more about you. You're kind of like quiet and in the back, but you're busy with all our kids. And so I'm glad that people are going to get to know who you are and all about you. So for people who don't know who Jody is, can you tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. I am a an Ohio native. I moved here to Louisville about 10 years ago with okay. my husband. And um, so we've been here for about 10 years. I am a school teacher also, and I'm a mom of six-year-old twins. Yay, twins. <laughs> so we, um, Jody and I are kind of soul sisters because we both have multiples. Yes. So uh, first, let me ask, what grade do you teach? I teach fifth grade, and I specialize in reading. So I teach a lot of reading and um, have lots of fun finding kids the perfect books that make them fall in love with reading. Uh-huh. So do you do that for adults as well? I do. <laughs> I do that as a hobby for adults. I'm always recommending books. I love that. That's and I will so probably interesting. M- mention a few in this in this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> so you're a book lover. Yes. This is a side note. I don't even know if it'll make it into the podcast, but are you a fan of Jen Hatmaker? Do you know who she is? Yes, I am 100%. Okay, so I love her writing style. Mm-hmm. And she's one of my favorite authors just because I love the way she writes. Yeah, she There's, speaks to to your heart. <laughs> exactly. In the and, most funny way possible. That's what it is. Like it's it, her sense of humor that she incorporates into it. Mm-hmm. But she also has a very high level of like the content is also, it can go deep really quick. Yeah. But then she lightens it right back. I just love, it's very well-rounded to me. So yes. I love that. Did you know that she just started a book club? Yes, I did. Are you in it? No, because I've already read the book that she's promoting first. So oh. I'm going to wait for the next one. Okay, I was going to say, because you know, it's like each month you yeah. get a new book and then you get, did you read all the detail about it? Not exactly. I know you get like a mug and you get the, the book. Mm-hmm. But then she does a interview, a podcast interview with the writer of the book. Oh. And only the people in her club get to hear that podcast. Oh, cool. So it's very insider information. It's really cool. But they're in the, you know, the, the book club. I don't mm-hmm. know. Wannabes, I guess. So anyway. So I love that you recommend books and you you help people fall in love with reading. That's something that I could talk about forever. But I know because you have twins, that's kind of like a novelty thing for people to know about. So tell us about that. How did that go down? How long were you married when you found out you were pregnant? First of all, how long have you been married? I've been married for almost 11 years. Okay. And we waited six years. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Six years. (laughs) I think that's right. I know, right? Um, Yeah, we intentionally waited because I was in school and he was in school. And so I got my master's first and then we Mm -hmm. started trying. And he actually finished school and graduated the day before I had the girls. So we timed that just right. (laughs) I don't know if people are going to stalk your social media after this, but... I saw a photo that you posted of being at his graduation yeah. and you were like huge pregnant about to pop. And so <laughs> the next day you had you delivered. Yeah, it, wow. I was induced at 36 weeks and mm-hmm. I think they probably would have stayed there forever. They were nice and cozy. So um, I got induced at 36 weeks mm-hmm. and yeah, 
there. Okay, so tell us about the craziness of finding out that you have twins. Tell us about that. Okay, so everything about the girls is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 22 weeks pregnant when we went to find out the gender. And um, when she put the little ultrasound thing on my stomach, there were two giant circles on there. And me and Tony look at each other like, is that what we think it is? And the, so you knew immediately. Pretty much. Uh-huh. And the girl was like, I'll be right back and left the room and came back with the doctor. And she's okay, like, wait. yep. What was the conversation that you and Tony were having when she left I the room? I don't think either of us spoke. <laughs> like We were terrified. Like, and, is real. Yeah. yeah. And when they said it's twins, I hyperventilated. And the first thing I said was, their names can't rhyme. <laughs> that <laughs> was all I think. Like, yeah. Like when you think of things like that, like yeah. we're not going to be those parents yeah. who make our kids' names rhyme. Because we do have a lot of twins in our family. And there's a lot of rhyming names. And for some reason, that was just my first thought. But before that, prob- my whole pregnancy, really, I kind of thought it was twins but I kept telling myself no because my doctor would say no it's not twins you have one baby in there they had done an ultrasound already and they listened to the Doppler every time and it was always one heartbeat and so she kept telling me no I even had a dream that um, when they told me I was having twins I looked over and I already had a set of twins in the room and so when they said it's twins I was like it's the first set so that's why we have no other children (laughs) <laughs> that's why you're like i'm not even gonna try yeah, we can't I'm try for one more no. okay so can we tell everybody the precious names of your oh, daughters yeah. georgia sophia and olive hadassah are my they, girls oh my gosh you guys they are so cute they're precious they have this beautiful red curly hair it's like a bright red though mm-hmm. well not bright red it was like a, a strawberry blonde yeah they call it strawberry hair Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are the cutest things in the world. And you guys have so much fun with them. Yep. So I know I didn't have you on the podcast to talk about your kids, but I just had to bring that up mm-hmm. because it's I know everybody's interested. How did you become the big kids pastor? So um, a, it was really about a year ago. The church was about eight months, eight, nine months old. And um, they were in need of a kid's, a big kid's pastor. Mm -hmm. And I was praying right along with the rest of the church for the right person to kind of step in and um, take charge of that. And I had offered to observe in classrooms and give feedback and things like that to help out along the way. And not knowing that a lot of other people in the church were praying that it would be me that would step up and take over. So you over. didn't know at the time? No, I really didn't think it was right for me. And then, um, actually, here's my first book recommendation. Okay. Um, Bob Goff's book, Love Does. Um, I was oh, reading that at the time, and it's really just a book about taking every possible opportunity to love people like Jesus loves people. Mm, that's great. And so... You know, I have experience in education and I've served in children's ministry since I was 14. And so I have all this experience and knowledge to use. And so it's kind of like God just saying, okay, here's your opportunity. Are you going to take it or not? Wow. So I went to Mindy and I said, you know, if if you guys are willing, I would I would like to offer to be the big kids pastor Um voluntarily and Mm -hmm. she said okay it's about time you realize (laughs) it's about time you stepped up yeah yeah we've been praying you in for a while yeah wow that's amazing so when you volunteered to just kind of observe was that um was that because you were a teacher and you just felt like that was something you had to offer yeah they were looking for you know just little ways to 
um, just make it better. And I just thought, well, I can help out. Even if I can't be the kids pastor, I could help, you know, in some way. way. And that's how it started. Yeah. Okay. So tell us how you got connected with Big Church before you became the pastor. You were just coming here and you were, you know, you Mm -hmm. saw a need. You were like, let me observe. How did you get connected with Pastor Mindy and Pastor Rich and Big Church? So I used to work in uh, Mount Washington where the refuge originally uh, met. Mm -hmm. And I would see it every day when I drove past. And um, I actually worked with... um, Gab's aunt, Gab was on our worship team. Okay. And so she would tell me all the time about the refuge and like, you should go. I think you'd really like it. It sounds like it's, you know, your crowd of people and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But I had kids and I I never knew if they had childcare or if it would really be the right age group for me or whatever. So right. I never went. And then literally the week of launch uh, for Big Church, she texted me and said, um, there. They're having an actual, they have an actual church. It's called Big Church. You should Mm -hmm. go and check it out. It starts this Sunday. And so we came to launch Sunday and um, it became our church home. Wow. That quickly, that easily. Just like a first service. I love this place. This is our church home. Yeah. And we have been kind of um, jumping around churches, trying to find the right fit for about two years Um, and we, we went to church every Sunday, but it was always a different place. So, uh, or not always, but, um, we, we never found a place where we really felt, um, like it was at home. And so we felt that here. Yeah. A good fit. Yeah. It, I, I described that like throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to see which one sticks. Like when you, when we're church hopping and trying to figure out where we fit in and where we jive. But I love that your first service here, you're like, okay, yeah, this is it. Yep. This is it. So when did you ever imagine that you'd be a kids church pastor? Did you ever think in your head, this is something I want to do or a goal I'm going for? Yes. Yes. A long time ago, I probably would have said, yes, I see myself there in the Um, past, probably 10 years. No. (laughs) Okay. okay. But um, I felt the Lord first call me to children's ministry when I was 14. And so I jumped in and um, started serving right away then. And um, then I felt the Lord call me to education um, in college. And so I pursued that and got an mm-hmm. education degree, not really knowing if God really wanted me to teach or use that in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started teaching, I really fell in love with that. And I feel like that's, you know, that's a mission field. And so I teach in a public school and I get to work with kids and um, meet their needs and um, educationally and in life and sometimes spiritually. So yeah, yeah, I can see how that is a ministry for you and how you have the ability to touch kids on a really personal level. Do you work one-on-one with, with kids when you're reading? Is it? Yeah, I teach a fifth grade class. I have a homeroom and we rotate classes. So I get to teach a couple of reading classes and um, that's really my big passion at school is, is reading, but I wow. teach. A little bit of everything too. You really have to be called to that and have a love for kids mm-hmm. to teach fifth grade and have the <laughs> patience for it. And to hear you say, I, it's just refre- refreshing as a mom to hear a teacher say, I really love my job and I'm passionate about oh, yeah. it because, you know, and a lot of teachers I've interacted with get frustrated because it's a lot of work. And I don't know that, I don't know if people get all the work that goes into being a public school teacher. I only know it because I was on an SBDM board and 
I saw it firsthand, but man, you guys are loaded with a lot of work mm-hmm. and very underpaid. I will always say <laughs> teachers are underpaid. Okay, so here at Big Church, you have a great team under you. How many mm-hmm. people do you have on your team? How many people does it take to run this big kids ministry? We have about 50 people that serve, wow. and it takes 20 people each Sunday. Um, I have... Um, you know, teachers for every classroom. We have at least two teachers for every classroom. Okay. And um, so that takes 20 people a week. And some people serve every Sunday the same service. And that is like the best uh, scenario because then the kids know those teachers and they come looking for them. And yeah, um, that's really exciting when you see that bond growing between the kids and their teachers. Um, but yeah, you can serve every Sunday or twice a month or once a month anything's available that's come and serve yeah if anybody's (laughs) listening and you come to big church come serve at big kids how are you training these 50 people that's a large group of people to reach these young kids and teach and even just to kind of uh, help them develop themselves okay so when somebody decides that they want to serve in big kids we have a handbook Okay. And so it has all of our procedures and protocols and expectations. And I have pretty high expectations for our um, servant leaders, our teachers, because mm-hmm. this is an important job. It's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say um, in departments of serving in the church, serving in children's ministry is priority. Like, um, because this it's you're like holding a child's life in your hands basically so i have pretty high expectations for them and so we go through that and we have an orientation we're just starting it this sunday we're starting our first monthly orientation Mm -hmm. um where previously i was training one-on-one so 50 trainings is a lot so we're doing a monthly orientation so before someone can start serving they have to come to an orientation um and they have to be coming to church regularly. And um, if they're serving, they're expected to go to the other service um, when possible. So, um, and then I just reach out to our volunteers every week if they're serving. I send them the lesson plans mm-hmm. that I've, I kind of create our lesson plans for each age group and send them out for the week and send them, try to send some encouragement and really try to appreciate them because. Um, working in children's ministry, a lot of times you're behind the scenes. People don't see you. You're not out on stage. You're not out in the lobby meeting people. You're kind of hidden. And so I try to encourage them and appreciate them as much as possible so that they know they're they're doing a very important job. Yeah, I think that's uh, huge what you're saying. You're basically holding someone's spiritual life yeah. in, in your hands. You're molding their childhood and I remember at 44 I remember Sunday school I remember going to those classes and lessons that I learned Mm -hmm. specifically in those classrooms so we you guys are making a huge impact on these children and their lives and their spiritual lives so I agree with that and I love that you feel the burden of that and that you carry that into leadership I also know that you help develop them as leaders too that you Mm -hmm. are encouraging them to read books yeah is it like a study or it's kind of a once a month gathering tell me i only know that because my daughter is a volunteer in kids ministry and she's talked about it so yeah so we're trying to start a kind of a children's ministry book club our first book is the um, five love languages for children 
Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to get that off the ground, but it's kind of hard because a lot of our volunteers are young people. So mm -hmm. they're summer schedules and everything going on. So um, meeting once a month to talk about chapters of the book and kind of develop um, our volunteers as leaders. Mm -hmm. I think that is powerful that you are not only carrying the burden of these children's spiritual lives, but you are also carrying the burden of equipping the people that are also teaching. So mm -hmm. that's, to me, that's huge. And I love that. Okay, so I will have to say again that it takes a very special person and a special call to love this age group. So how, why are you so passionate about this age group? What makes you so passionate about the kids' ministry? I grew up in a really small church, and okay. it was it was like a family. And so that's what I've always looked for in a church. I think that's why we did church shop quite a bit yeah. until um, we found our home. Um but because I want my kids to feel like it's a like it's a family. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm looking for and providing in the children's ministry and um, another book recommendation mm -hmm. uh, for children's ministry people. Um, there's a book called Children's Ministry in the 21st Century by Ivy Beckwith. Mm -hmm. And um, it reveals some pretty sad statistics that our culture is really focused on entertaining children. and even or maybe even especially in churches. Um, we market our children's ministries by making it fun and exciting and um, all these things that, and we're not marketing to children. Children aren't looking at these marketing tools. It's the parents. Mm -hmm. So these parents come and drop off their kids at something fun and exciting. So like you said, they can go sit in church. Um, but the statistics show that when those kids phase out of children's ministry, they stop coming to church. Um, because they there's no family there. There's no connection there. It was just fun. It was just a spaghetti fight or, you know, shaving cream party or whatever it right, was. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they phase out of that, they don't know what to do with actual biblical knowledge or sitting in a church service. And not saying that I want it to be boring, but my focus is not on fun and exciting. My focus is on basically a developmentally appropriate version of church. It's it's meant for growing in Christ together. That's what church is, Should be, is yeah. meant for. Mm -hmm. um, so for our kids, that's that's what I envision. And so I want, and I see it with my own children, when they come to church, they're looking for their friends and they're looking for their teacher. And when I get to see kids come in and they're like, um, is so-and-so here? I, I got a story to tell them, or I, I bought them a present. And that, mm -hmm. that touches my heart because they want to come back for the relationships that they've built. The connections. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I love that because there's something exciting, too, about learning with someone. You mm -hmm. know, like it, it's even like it, you can see it in, you know, needing the accountability for a group Bible study. Or yeah. I think we all kind of step it up when we are held to a different level of accountability. And when you're doing that with those connections, like you see with your your friends and the kids have their certain friends that they look for. There's something about connecting with someone and learning and holding each other accountable. Mm -hmm. So that is beautiful. And I love that you are trying to create family and the community with the young kids as well. So I can imagine that you have all sorts of fun stories from big kids. But can you tell us any stories of the things that you see God doing in the young people or the kids and big kids? Yeah, 
Um, so like I said, seeing the connections between kids and and the teachers is really special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, really because this is still a fairly new church. And right, so right. building those connections is hard for anyone, but especially with kids and when volunteers are um, kind of in and out deciding where they fit, it's hard for those connections to be made. But um, one story is um, one of our teachers, Sal Lopez, he's awesome. He mm-hmm. serves every Sunday, second service in the elementary classroom. So he is, you know, he's always there. The kids depend on him to be there. Mm-hmm. So um, one of our kids came in and he was like, is Sal here yet? I've got to tell Sal this story about my baseball game. And I, like, I just started crying No, <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds so silly. But that's what I'm looking for. They're making the connections with their with their teachers and their leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then I love that you said that the teachers are personally invested because they're buying gifts and, yeah. you know, like saying, oh, I have something for this child. That's that is beautiful. It's like you said, that's the that's the vision. Yeah. Or when a teacher comes to me and says, you know, this I'm having some trouble getting this kid to listen I have an idea what do you think if I try this so that tells me that they're thinking about it and at home and they're preparing and that that's really awesome that they really care yeah about these kids you guys can't see Jody, but she's really emotional about <laughs> this right now but that just goes to show you how how much you really do yeah. have your have a heart for this age group in this ministry okay so I have a few fun questions for you that I want to ask what's the best thing about having twins um, well, it changes with each age, as you know, mm-hmm. but right now, the the most fun is listening to their conversations. They just turned six, and they have the most hilarious conversations with each other when they mm-hmm. think no one else is listening. Uh. <laughs> and so just listening to them argue or like... Uh, just even when they're encouraging each other, mm-hmm. it's just so sweet and so funny and um, like... So yesterday we were driving to school and the girls just had their birthday party Saturday and they invited uh-huh. both of their whole classes. So oh, praise the fun. Lord, we only had 20 kids come instead of <laughs> all 50. Yeah. But um, Olive was on the way to school. She's like, not very many of my friends came. And so I'm trying to explain to her that, you know, that's not their fault. If they wanted to come and they didn't get to come, then, you know, maybe their parents couldn't bring them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well... I just wish they were there. And I said, well, you do not say anything to them about not being at your party. You're not allowed to ask why they didn't mm-hmm. come to your party and all this stuff. And she goes, well, can I just ask them where they were instead? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no, you cannot. <laughs> That's not appropriate either. That's so fun. I remember that age and they like the pretend play, mm-hmm. like hearing to me, this is so magical with any child, especially your own. But when you watch them pretend play, mm-hmm. it, there's something in me that just like is intrigued by the way their mind is developing at that mm-hmm. age. So I can imagine with twins, because I have triplets, what that is like yeah. seeing them interact with each other. Do they have a bond? Like, you know, they say multiples oh, yeah. have you, you see that. And how do you see it? Uh, well, they're always together. Very mm-hmm. rarely do we split them up. We try to every once in a while, but they they would rather be together. Um, and like, and George is not a very good sleeper, so a lot of times she'll just come sneak into our bed, 
And it's probably because of Olive that she is not a good sleeper. Okay. Because they sleep together. Um, so in the mornings, if that happens, Olive comes in like heartbroken that Georgia left her. She's like, I just wanted to snuggle with you and you weren't there. And it's just so sweet. <laughs> that is the sweetest thing ever. That is so sweet. My kids were not snugglers. Like, so my kids don't have that bond, but no. they were all very, I don't know, you have, are yours fraternal? They're identical. Yeah. Okay. So mine were completely all separate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when they were born, they were also all separated because they were premature. They were all in their mm-hmm. little box and the NICU. And so they don't have that connected bond yeah. that I see a lot of multiples have. But I mean, they do have a connection. Yeah. But when they, they were when they were little babies, we would just lay them next to you. They slept in the same bassinet till they were <laughs> probably six months old and they just yeah. got too big for it. They always had to be touching each other. They would be swaddled up and one of them would get their hand out and just reach over to her sister and hold her hand or touch her face. They Yeah, they always have to make sure the other one's still there. That is the most precious thing ever. So I have to ask you, were they born... Was the timing different? Like one was on one day and one was on the other? Yes. That's a very unique thing, too. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, they were born an hour apart, 11.52 p.m. and 12.52 (gasps) a.m. So they have two different birthdays. I love that because I will say what I love that you just did. So they just had a birthday and Mm -hmm. you posted separately for each child. Yeah. So for me, I've always, you know, it's all of their birthdays. And how do you... You know, like, I guess I could post individually, but I I just love that you're able to celebrate them individually as well as twins. So anyway, okay, so my next fun question is, what's the weirdest question that your kids have ever asked you? My own children at home? Any kids. Any kids. Okay. Big kids. I I was trying to think of some stories. Uh I can't think of a question because usually when it's a weird situation, I'm the one asking the questions. (laughs) So, so tell me the weirdest thing if it's not okay. a question. So at school one time, this is gross. So if you get grossed out, don't listen to this. Turn the volume down. Yeah. Um, so I, I taught third grade at this time. Mm-hmm. And I was working this with this little guy on a math test, I think. And it was probably like 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. And he's, he was chewing on something. I thought he was, had like gum or something, which mm-hmm. is a no-no. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what are you chewing on? And he was like... Oh, we had some corn at lunch, and I just threw a little bit up in my mouth, so I'm just re-eating it. (laughs) Re-eating his corn? And I, like, just automatically started, like, dry heaving. I was, like, just pointing to the trash can. Go, go. Go spit that out. Yeah. Bless his heart. Okay, so can you think of anything else? Okay, another time. This is the same year. This was a doozy of a year. Um, A kid runs up to me, and he's like, I feel something in my pants. And I was like, oh, where do you mean? And he was like, down here. And he starts shaking his legs and a pair of underwear fell out of his pants. (laughs) And so I just whispered, are you still wearing underwear? Was he? Yeah. Okay. I think they were like dirt. They he had probably worn them before and just picked them up and put them on, and his underwear were still Stuck in there. In yeah, That's you know how funny. boys are. Yes. And so I was like, okay, just put the underwear in your pants. Mm-hmm. We'll pretend like that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shove them in your backpack. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, you know, when my kids were coming up, I volunteered at their school, elementary school, and yes, there's some there's some doozies. Mm-hmm. There's some stories. I had a kid one time who kept. He, he said we used to eat um, breakfast in the classroom mm-hmm. and he would save all his jelly and he had a desk full of jelly by the end of the year. 
How weird. Like, I wonder what his thought was like. <laughs> he thought they were valuable. Okay. <laughs> Sell all the jelly and make some, make some cash. Yeah. Okay. So what's your favorite thing to do with your family? Um, the girls really love to play outside. So we, we are outside a lot and, um, we play hide and seek or cops and robbers or teach them how to ride bikes. Georgia Mm -hmm. just learned how to ride her bike this week. Tony told them that, um, training wheels are only for five-year-olds. So when they turned six, they had to come off. So, um, Georgia's already mastered it. Olive's a little more scared. She got hurt the first try. So she's taking it a little slower. Gotcha. So just hanging out, just hanging out and yeah, having fun outside. and playing. And then we watch a lot of superhero movies because they like them and they're not totally um, boring for us. <laughs> and they're also not filthy. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's also that. Okay. And then my last question for you is what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? What did you want to be okay, when you grew up? Okay. So when I was little, I did not know. And I thought it was really mean that people wanted me to know right away what I wanted to be I can remember there's a lot of pressure I I think it's I think it's slightly cruel to tell someone at 18 to decide what they're going to be when they grow up I I do I think it's a little I remember I think I was probably in first grade I had this worksheet and it was hats all Mm -hmm. these different like a nurse's hat a fireman's hat and we had to pick the hat of the career we wanted and I asked my teacher what if I don't want to wear a hat oh (laughs) (laughs) So I went through lots of different things, a florist, an architect, and um, and finally I didn't know until God basically put it in my lap to be a teacher. How old were you when you felt oh, like you were like I was applying for colleges, and um, that's kind of a, a whole other story. I have mm-hmm. a big testimony about college. Well, but, let's hear it. Okay. Tell us about it. Um, so I was I grew up in a pretty, um, I wouldn't say poor, but... We didn't have lots of money. Mm-hmm. And so I w- was going to be the first person to go to college in my family um, oh, wow. for a bachelor's degree. And so I was looking for colleges that I could afford or get a scholarship for. And the only, any college I looked up, the only, it was our internet was horrible too, but the only um, <laughs> major that would come up was elementary education for any college I looked up. That was like the only thing that would come up. Okay. And so I was like... Okay, God, you're trying to tell me something. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And so I just prayed about it and I really felt like that was right. And so I told my mom because my mom had like big dreams for me. I was going to be a uh-huh. lawyer or something. Yeah. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to be a teacher. And she was like, Oh, yeah, I know. What? <laughs> so what? I was you like, know? Okay. Um, and then I didn't know where I could go to college. Um, so I was just praying that God would provide a way for me to be able to go to college um for free yeah and um and then for some reason I just threw in there if I'm going to college I'm going to need a computer too so I need college and a computer God just make this happen okay and I was a junior in in high school at that time and I was just praying about it and I got a letter in the mail from Berea College Mm -hmm. that said if you apply to our school and you have good enough test scores and your family is below this income level then you get full tuition paid and a free laptop when you come to school and then another free laptop your junior year of school and so the the laptop was just like the cherry on top that was like okay god just saying here I can you do go. it you yeah, know like you, and, you prayed here it yeah is. and so um somehow i found out that my guidance counselor at school had had given them my name mm-hmm. and i was the only person that he had given 
the, a name for. Wow. And I didn't even really know him. I didn't even know our guidance counselor. I hadn't talked to him or anything. So it, it was just very weird that um, that had happened. And they sent me a letter. And so I applied and I got accepted. And um, so I studied education. And, and that is a great testimony. No college debt. No college debt. That's nope. amazing because you know, as well as I do, so many people go through college with all the debt and then they don't even use their degree. Yeah. But God made a way and opened a door for you to do what you're doing and probably aid you in serving in ministry as a kids mm-hmm. pastor. I love it. This has been so fun. <laughs> I have loved getting to hear a little bit more of your story and getting to know you better. And I know that our listeners are going to enjoy it as well. So thank you for taking the time yeah, to sit down you. and chat with me. Bye. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.